Hello everyone, Simon Jacobson here, and we're going to be speaking about what Kabbalah teaches us about manifestation. So that title itself is quite uh, a handful. Wrap your head around it. What is manifestation? I'm sure some of you are wondering. Well, manifestation is another word for being present. You know, you ever find yourself not feeling yourself being totally present in a certain experience, in a relationship, in a conversation? You're not really fully there. Okay, that can sound innocuous and not such a big thing, but sometimes it's a very profound thing because it means you don't know how to bring yourself entirely there. You're not secure, you're not safe. And many times it's for good reasons. If we were hurt or disappointed... If we have experiences where uh, we were betrayed, we don't have trust. And the list goes on for us always keeping a certain caution and not completely investing, having, as they say, having one foot out the door to protect yourself. We all have our defense mechanisms, our escape hatches, escape routes to protect us and we don't always commit to something. And sometimes we don't commit to anything fully for that reason, because we don't want to be hurt. As I said, it could have good reason, but it also can trap us to a place where we will never really fully engage and be fully present. So manifestation is one word that captures that concept, that idea, that psychological state where you're there. I'm here with you. And that could include being vulnerable and include being possibly hurt, but you're there, completely there. We all have our masks. We have our different suits of armor. As I mentioned, defense mechanisms that we use. But have you ever wondered, has your mask become your identity? So a mask is good when you know you have an identity, and then you need a mask or you need a certain posture or... Uh, projection because you're dealing with a particular environment, different people, and we all have our different masks for different situations. When I say by mask, I don't always mean it in a destructive way where you're completely uh, conning or uh, distorting or uh, dece being deceptive or duplicitous. It means you adjust according to the people or the environment or the workplace you're at. But what happens when your mask becomes your identity? That is quite sad. Because then you lose yourself and all you are is what you are, what you project to others, whether you're pleasing them or not pleasing them. So this is all part of this discussion called being manifest. Now, the question is, if we indeed have that attitude or that approach to life where we have difficulty with commitment, difficulty being present, to being engaged, to being invested entirely, then the question is, are we trapped there? Are we stuck? Is there a way out of that? How can we develop those tools and mechanisms and methodologies to actually be more present in the areas where we should be present? You know, for example, if it's a burning house, and I don't just mean that physically, also figuratively, dangerous situation, you don't want to be present. You want to get out, which is what many of us who had homes that were battle zones are doing. And that's why we have difficulty being present. But that's immediate danger. But what about when you want to really love comes your way? Or another great opportunity comes your way. How many of these opportunities or loves that we will miss because we put up this barrier 
and we don't allow ourselves to manifest. So where do we find an approach, guidance, direction, and methodologies? And a, the, the answer comes in a, from a surprise, surprising and unexpected place. It's called Kabbalah, mysticism which is sometimes called Kabbalah, in our modern age, it takes on the form of Hasidic teachings. The mystics teach that the, regarding the divine, there are two forms of expression, divine expression and revelation, and energy, if you wish, two types of energy. We'll call one transcendent energy, and the other one manifest energy, or imminent energy. One is transcendent means you always remain aloof and above. The divine remains above existence, creation, structure, because that's, that, that's its nature. It is from a different reality. And then there is a divine manifestation in an imminent fashion that engages and gets involved in existence and structure. And what's fascinating, and this is what we're going to be discussing, that examining and studying the parallels between divine manifestation and transcendence and human manifestation and transcendence, or maybe the other way around, transcendence and manifestation, we can derive tremendous insights and directives and direction and lessons of how to apply it to our own lives. So this is the laying the lay of the land, the outline, and I will get into the topic itself. But I ask you above all to personalize this, because think about yourself. Are you a person that can be present? I'll give examples. You're busy having a conversation with someone you care about, but the text comes in, or a phone call comes in, or something else, and you easily move on to something, to something else, easily distractible. You're not completely there with the person, because if you were, and if it was really urgent, you don't want any pauses or breaks. If, someone was, if you were sharing your life, your deepest, your guts, you were spilling your guts to a good friend, and they suddenly take a text or a, or a phone call, not only is it insulting, it means they're not there with you. And that alone is what we need. That's what love and nurturing is about. You know, think of a child in the mother's womb. The mother's womb is 24-7 constantly being nurtured. Attention. So ask yourself in your life, do you, do you, I don't want to use the word suffer, but do you have this issue? And do you even see it as a problem? Some people don't see it as a problem. They call it multitasking. I'm able to do many things. So yes, when it comes to superficial things and things that are not that, which does not require profound <clears throat> and emotional intellectual investment, yeah, you can do a bunch of things together. You could chew gum and drive a car. However, when it comes to things that are important and vital, there's an element of focus. And just like we want that focus, we need to give that focus. So many of us will answer, well, I, haven't, I don't have such important relationships in my life to that extent that I'm ready to invest that way. Is that the reason? That may be the reason. Or is it perhaps that it's difficult to do? So really, to benefit from what we're going to discuss here, it requires your own honest appraisal and being sincere and genuine with yourself. That's the most important thing of all. Because if you're genuine and sincere, even to the point where you acknowledge that there may be a challenge or an issue, then... There's something to talk about. But if you're going to lie to yourself or you want to just be comfortable and not face this issue, it's going to be more difficult. And I say it bluntly because, let's be honest, like most things, if you really want to grow, you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror 
and even look deeper into places that sometimes are uncomfortable. So I ask you to do that. Obviously, it's your call, and I'm not here. As you know, my approach is not an assault on anyone's psyche, but I do, do need to state this at the outset because it's so vital in this process, because many of us do delude ourselves out of being comfortable, because it's not an easy thing to confront yourself in how present you are. Very many of us do not like to admit I'm not present, not only to others, but even to ourselves. So that's something that you need to determine, how much you want to be present, even what we're talking about, and how much you want to apply it. But as you know, I speak openly and candidly, and that's a critical component. So now let's discuss it. We'll discuss it first on the cognitive, on a cerebral and intellectual level, on a spiritual level. I mentioned divine manifestation and transcendence. So there are words used in the Kabbalah and the Hasidic literature. I'll refer to them, but I don't want it to be an impediment to use words that can be um, restrictive or uh, in any way prohibitive to listen to this. So I'll, I'll, use, I'll, add, I'll, I'll mention the words, the actual terms used in these texts at the end of the explanation. Let me begin with the explanation. So what does it mean, transcendence and imminence? Transcendence, as the word implies, means you transcend, you're above. I used before the word aloof. Aloof can be a positive, it can be a negative. Aloof can be detached and indifferent, but aloof could also mean because you're above it, so you're not affected by it quite that way. So when we're talking about the divine, which means anything that's greater than ourselves, it by definition is transcendent. It's above and beyond who we are. Meaning who we are means humans and and as well as um, existence itself. But the question is, the theological question that the mystics ask, is the divine also present with us? Or is it always removed and distant? And for good reasons, because it's of a different reality. And the answer is it is present, because the whole purpose of existence is that there be a relationship. Let me move it right away to the human level. We have a transcendent side, each one of us. Your unique personality, that place that almost nobody can actually enter. Even you can't, you're not always even conscious of it. It's like your core essence. I use an example very often. For example, you're sitting right now wherever you are. What is your left leg doing this moment? So before I ask that question, your left leg was there, and it was living and existing, but you were not thinking about it. That doesn't mean does it exist less? No, it means that's on a core level that does not have, defies expression. Then when you think, what's my left leg doing? You suddenly become aware so awareness in this sense is almost a descent. It's a, uh, it's a state where you're going down from the core state. In other words, core living really has no consciousness and no awareness. If someone asks you, what does it feel like being healthy? If you have any answer to that, then there's something, a problem. Health shouldn't have any feeling. It's a non-sensation reality. I exist. What does it feel like existing? If there's a sensation, a blunt sensation, a sharp sensation, a cold sensation, a warm sensation, that's already an expressive element. So all of us have what we call the transcendent side. Transcendent means it's not defined by a particular conscious and awareness and definition. That's a key word, definition. But it's there. It's a reality. It's like when you're in the zone. And you're not thinking about it. You're just doing it. That's, in a sense, a transcendent state. What is a manifest state or an imminent state when you're consciously aware and engaged in something so if you think about it from that perspective and this is not necessarily out of weakness you can say transcendence is the optimal why should i be immersed and involved in a defined way and be involved in this and not in that 
I remain always transcendent. I remain always aloof. I remain always apart. And there is a part of us, as I said, even in the deepest engagements with people and experiences, that remains beyond everything. However, the full human experience, and we'll use love as, an ex- as maybe the primary form of human experience, is the other, relationship with another. Remaining aloof, remaining apart, remaining transcendent, as admirable as that may be, is, not, is missing the most important ingredient in a relationship, which is intimacy, companionship, friendship, engagement with another, caring about the other, and they care about you. Being vulnerable, yes, celebrating vulnerability in the relationship. So how do we have a healthy balance? The answer is we need both. In a relationship with another, and we'll go back to the divine in a moment, we need both. We need a sense of self, where there's a respect of space, boundaries. And yes, there's a part which we, we each is an individual. But then you also need closeness. And you need manifestation. So the healthy balance is to have both. The expression Hillel uses is, if I'm, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? That's the transcendent. That's the self. If I am only for myself, what am I? Which means if you don't engage and involve and the, the interaction and interconnectivity, and I would even say the complementation, the synergy that each gives the other, you don't really have a relationship. There's no love. So love is not just closeness. Love is also respect and a certain sense of awe. I don't even use the word mystique, the mystery. There's something transcendent about the relationship that is elusive and is not able to be owned. So manifestation or imminence on its own is like owning it. It's connected to you and that you have it, in a way. Transcendence is you never own it because it's always above, above you. Even your own transcendent self. And the beautiful relationship is when you have both. And the mystics explain this on the divine level, that the divine is completely beyond anything that exists. So you could technically and hypothetically and uh, theologically and philosophically argue that the divine is always a part and we are not the divine. We're human. We're mortals. The divine is immortal. We're, we have limitations. We have definitions. We have parameters. And the divine has no parameters. And yet, the key beautiful thing is that there is a marriage. There is a harmony. There is a synergy. Where heaven meets earth. Where the infinite meets the finite. Where eternity kisses the temporary. And that we could find the extraordinary in the ordinary and we could find the eternal in the moment. And that is because there are those two dimensions. There's a transcendent element, yes, that's the more natural state, but there's also an imminence that transcendence chooses to engage, to manifest. Now, of course, if you ask the question, how it seems contradictory, that's why there's a third dimension that's neither transcendent nor manifest or imminent. I don't want to really go into that because that's somewhat digressing, but I just need to point it out. And that dimension allows there to be a complete harmony, a complete fusion between transcendence and imminence, between self and other, between being removed from and above and apart and engaging and investing and being completely present and in the moment. That's the beauty of it. So it's not either or, it's really... Joining Now, I spoke about this in, in, out of strength, Tra- strong transcendence and strong manifestation. Now let's apply this to what I spoke about earlier. Those of us that have difficulty being present, not because we're so spiritually transcendent, even if though we may convince ourselves that's the reason, and there may even be some truth to that as well, but let's also acknowledge that it could include 
fear, insecurity, being afraid to be trapped. As I mentioned, discussed earlier, the different reasons that we may not be completely present in an experience with another, in a conversation, and so on. Especially when it, gets too, when it comes too, hits too close to home. So then we, form, we put up our walls. We don't want to be hurt. And we avoid being completely engaged. So we always keep a little back door to get out, an exit strategy. So there, it's not necessarily coming purely from strength. They may have some strengths in it, but there's also a lot of weakness in it. So clearly, it's not sufficient because you'll never have a relationship. So transcendence teaches us, even healthy transcendence needs manifestation. And definitely unhealthy, I don't want to call it transcendence because it's not really transcendence. It's, it's just a negative form of manifestation just with yourself, being alone because you're afraid to be with others or you have concerns or you can't totally engage. So the paradox and the interesting irony is the more secure you are in your own skin, the more comfortable you are with your transcendent, unique self, the more you're able to manifest and be present and engage with another. Again, this has to be done with discretion. It doesn't mean you just let down your guard and everything is entered, has to, everything is allowed in, because we could, we have, need to take, have court, take to, to uh, proceed with caution, make sure we're not hurt. But we don't put a wall up and don't allow ourselves, because then we remain trapped in our own inner armor and masks. So the key thing is to recognize, first it was against cognitively and cerebrally, that there's that element of a transcendent state, even in the best of it, requires manifestation. And they don't contradict because even when you manifest, your transcendent, unique self is not compromised. Now if you can cognitively, with exercises, meditate on, contemplate and meditate on that concept, what it helps one do is helps you feel safer. Because if you can identify that inner self and feel strong about it, then you would have less fear engaging. The fact that you see it as a contradiction, no one will ever understand me, I can't really engage because I could be hurt, all the different reasons, at the end of the day, the fear of it is really because you're not that intact. So you avoid true contact, you avoid true engagement, you, tr- you avoid truly being immersed in something because you feel you'll be a failure at it, or people will suddenly expose you. People often hear from people, if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't be my friends. I have to put on this show, I have to perform, I have to please, I have to uh, be perfect, I have to be excellent. So the key thing to remember is that we do have a transcendent, unique self, and it does not require one to go into hiding and undercover. It requires nurturing that element of self, like I said with Hillel. If I'm not for myself, who am I? Discovering that self. But at the same time, you need to know that that self requires, and it actually complements, discovering the self is also engaging with others. So the more comfortable you are in your own skin, the more secure a person is, the more they can also have manifestation and be present. We'll talk about practical ways to get there, but I first wanted to explain the concept because understanding it Even though people say, you know what, this is all intellectual, it's theoretical, abstract. When it comes to emotions, I just have fear. It doesn't make a sense, it doesn't make a difference if I understand. There are a lot of things I understand that I don't act upon. And I could also give advice to others. But when it comes to me personally, that's where my blind spots, where my subjectivity, where my prejudices and biases come into play. So obviously that is true, but there is something called the cognitive life raft. When you understand things, 
you become, it becomes safer to travel there. You know, one of the big fears is you don't know what's going on in that world because you've been hurt when it came to there. But if you can dissect it, then you can like prepare yourself and research. So then when you go, let's say, to a foreign city and you don't know what it's like, it's full of unknowns and there's a lot of fears and concerns and so on. But if you prepare yourself and you know the terrain and you are able to recognize, at least with your mind, certain aspects, then that builds confidence that you can then navigate and actually travel there. It would be like a captain of a ship or anyone else leading a journey or a, 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 a journey somewhere, but they prepare the ground. They're like a tour guide. They know the terrain, they know the mountains, the valleys, and I mean that, of course, metaphorically. They know all the twists and turns as much as possible. So then when you go, you have a map that's going with you or a guide that's going with you, a GPS. It makes it easier. The same thing is with the mind and the emotions. When you understand this concept of transcendence and manifestation and the need that each of them complement the other, and they actually grow out of each other, then, and you understand the importance of it in, one's own li- in your own life, then you have, a, so to speak, a map. You have a GPS. Yes, you still have emotional blocks because you don't, emotions are emotions, but you're armed with knowledge. And awareness is key because we defang the enemy. The strongest thing in psychological warfare is that it makes you think you're weak. But if you really knew, and that's when intelligence comes into play, this, that your enemy is not as strong as it's projecting, and it's not as fortified as you may think, and it's not as harsh as you imagine, because we always imagine the worst. When you can actually get a picture of the enemy, then you suddenly realize, you know what? I can handle that. So what is the enemy here? The enemy is the unknowns of relationships, the unknowns that happen when you engage, when you manifest. And yes, there is a concern, because the manifesting means now I'm invested. If I'm invested, I can be hurt. There's a risk involved. So the more you understand its importance, and of course, the more you understand who you're engaging with, the safer it is. So this leads me now, of course, to the next step is, what, so what are the methods? What are the methods? So in, um, before I go to that, I said I would say the Hebrew words. So the words in the Kabbalistic mystical language, the Hebrew words in the Zohar and then later in other Kabbalistic works and the Hasidic works for transcendence and imminence is a few different words we're going to use. One is called makif and pnimi. Those of you familiar with these words, it's helpful. And if it's not, you can ignore the word. It's not, not meant to be a distraction. It's just meant to, comp- to ground the ideas in sources. Makif means, literally means to surround. But in truth, as, as explained in the Tanya, it means not surround. It means it's not within. It's from without. It's transcendent. So transcendent is the word makif. Pnimi means internal. Invested. I am here. I'm present. I am integrated. That's one expression. Another expression in Kabbalistic language, igulim v'yesha. This is interesting. Igulim means circles. Yesha means a line. I've, I've written about this in some articles. There's an article you'll find online at MeaningfulLife.com. Zeros and ones. So you get down to the basic language, machine language, without interfaces. It comes down to a bunch of zeros and ones. Zeros are circles. Ones are lines. The circle represents the transcendent. Like infinity. A circle has no top and no bottom, no beginning, no end. A line has clearly a top and a bottom and it's uh, gradations. And you need both Igulim and Yesha. And finally, in the Hasidic lexicon, lingo, 
the word for it is Sevav Kalamin and Mamala Kalamin. It actually also comes from the Zohar. But this is, Sevav also means surround, it surrounds, and, and Mamala Kalam means it fills, it fills up. What essentially is the transcendent and the imminent. And all of us, every human being has both elements in many, many ways. Transcendent faculties, for example, is your will, your desire, your pleasure. It doesn't have a localized space where it occupies within your system. It, in a sense, hovers over and drives everything you do. On the other hand, what are imminent faculties? What are primias dika? We call koiches primim imminent faculties. That would be intelligence. It's in the mind. Emotions in the heart. Eye is vision in your eyes. Hearing in your ears. So these are imminent because they manifest in a very particular part and in a very particular way. The vision is not, is, is, sound is not, uh, sight, sight and sound are not the same. The desire to see or the desire to hear, there there's a certain equalizer. It's also, I don't want to go too deep into that because it's another discussion. I've talked about it at different times. But this plays itself out everywhere in life. When you stand before an awe, before a natural wonder, or any experience of awe, a magical moment, the birth of a child, falling in love, marriage, marrying off your children, anything of that nature, there's transcendence manifesting awe. It's beyond you. It like lifts you up. You almost disappear and melt and dissolve in the experience. So that's you melting and dissolving in the experience. And then there's the other way where you integrate, when you internalize it, you understand it, you appreciate it, you're present in that way. So there are times we need to like just dissolve, just stand in awe of something, a magical moment, and there are times that we need to internalize it. And they complement each other. To take it back to relationships, manifestation is essentially the art of being there and being there entirely because in that moment, that's where you should be and nothing else is taking place. That requires a lot of confidence, a lot of feeling secure and trust, but it's not a contradiction to the transcendent part which is not manifest quite there. So now methods. Um, Generally speaking, when we talk about how to manifest, we need to find examples of where there's manifestation. And we need to find examples that we can, that will work. Because if you try cold turkey, try to do something completely you have never done, it's out of your comfort zone, if it's very uncomfortable, you're probably not going to continue doing it. So we need exercises that will be sustainable, that will be maintainable, and will be actionable. So my suggestion would be is to try to find something in your life that you enjoy. You know, to, do, to manifest and be present in something you don't enjoy is just going to make the battle more difficult. It's because then we have two battles. You don't like it, and, and you generally don't like to be present completely. Things you truly enjoy. There may be a person in your life you really enjoy having a conversation with. So maybe schedule a time and sit down and shut your phone off. You know, and do it very deliberately. You can even say you're doing it. And try to have a conversation without any distractions. It could be an activity, a hobby. I would even submit that all of us do this to some way, but it's usually done in things that are pleasurable. You know, people, I see people watching sports or other more superficial things. They can watch a movie and completely be absorbed with it, in it, absorbed in it. However, that's not a good example because that's really sometimes a distraction. 
That's why we're talking about things where that has a productive result. With other people, it's usually the, easy, the, the, the most effective, but it could also be with projects that are productive, that produce something. This does not mean you cannot enjoy yourself and listen to music and be absorbed by that, but it means best to try to do it in areas that you're not doing it already where you're comfortable, because then it will become part of your comfort zone. You want to break away from the comfort and find yourself manifesting and being present in things that you have not done until now. Now, why did I begin with that? Because if I said to you, you know what, why don't you find someone to love and really be there present and so on? Yeah, that's nice to say, and we all love it. But if you haven't done it till now or you have concerns about it, just me telling you do it is not going to suddenly resolve it. That's why the approach is do small battles that will lead to the harder situation. Like I've often said, when you want to untangle a ball of yarn or a bunch of wires, you don't try to untangle the hardest part or hair. First untangle the periphery, the easier tangled stuff. Divide and conquer is the right expression. And then when you isolate and see only that part, firstly you have less to deal with, and then you can focus on that and slowly do that. So I'm a big believer in action breeds action. You don't need to do it all. Begin in areas that are not quite something, not quite your routine, but not completely, um, re- completely that you're completely resistant to. And that opens you up. It's, it's like an exercise. It's conditioning. You're not going to run a 21-mile marathon if you can't run a mile. So it's running the mile, trying to do something on a smaller scale, but broadening your horizon, which will open you up to be able to manifest and be present in more serious and more important things. And there's nothing wrong if it's for ulterior motives. You know, many people are invested when they gain something from it. You know, like if you need... If you're going to invest your money somewhere or you want to make a pitch or you want to make a sale or you want to really gain something, you're going to be more present, hopefully. So ulterior motives doesn't matter. The key thing is to find experiences, but deliberately. Now, I should add that based on what I said earlier, there are people who manifest very well, but they're not manifesting in a healthy way. They're always pleasing others. They're always there. And they're lacking the first point their own transcendent, unique identity. In Hillel's words, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? Some of us have lost our identity, our identities in helping and pleasing others. So it's beautiful to please others, beautiful to be nice, not at the expense of losing yourself, because you know the truth is, and this sounds, it's another irony, but it's correct, you're not really present. You're doing it because you feel insecure, and you feel that's the only way that you'll be valued which is ultimately going to backfire. You're going to be resentful because you really did not manifest yourself. You just lost yourself in the presence of others by being there. And you never fed yourself. That has to come back to bite you. So we have to understand there's also the other side of things where you're too present and too manifest for the wrong reasons. So that's something that needs to be assessed. And that always leads me to having a mentor having someone you can speak to, because you don't want to get yourself trapped that you convince yourself that what you're doing is the right way and for the right reasons. So you want to have some healthy assessment and some a good sounding board that can review with you and get beyond any of your traps and your own uh, blind spots and prejudices. So that's one, one way. Let's talk about some others, some others. You know, they talk about today mindfulness. Mindfulness is really an extension of the concept of being present. Mindfulness could even be in how you take a piece of food in your mouth. I remember a few years ago, we do, 
I do a program called My Life Chassidus Applied every Sunday, which you can watch. It's a live program every Sunday, 8 p.m. You can just check it out on MeaningfulLife.com or ChassidusApplied.com. And an outgrowth of that, we did an essay contest. We do an essay contest everywhere where people write essays that apply ideas from mysticism, from Hasidic thought to contemporary issues. So I remember in the first year we ran the contest, there was a very excellent essay called um, It Was a Mystical Approach to Overeating. And it was basically taking mystical and spiritual ideas to the idea that when you eat, you're actually doing a spiritual act. You're refining the food, you're elevating the sparks using the words of the Kabbalah, and it creates a mindfulness, a focus. What I found out, it was a very practical application of a very profound concept. So the idea that there are divine sparks everywhere in our lives, whether you're commuting or walking or doing something, shopping or doing something that you think is just the means to another end, everything has divine sparks allocated to you. So where you are sitting right now or standing or listening to this has sparks. Tomorrow, in your work, in your family, in your friends, in your food, in your hobbies, and everything. So mindfulness, in this kind of case, presence and manifestation, is thinking about that. That wherever you go, think, what spark is waiting for me to free it, to release it? I've told this story. It's one of my favorite stories with Rab Chaim Rappaport, who was a student and a colleague of the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement. So the Baal Shem Tov once sent him on a mission somewhere to accomplish something. He came back, and the Baal Shem Tov insisted, he, mission accomplished, he insisted to know how did you travel there. So, you know, it seemed like a, irrelevant, but Baal Shem Tov wants to know. So he described, he said, the first night I stayed in an inn, second night there was nowhere to sleep, so I slept, I camped out of the side of the road. In the morning I woke up, I washed my hands, I said my prayers, and then I sat down to have a little short, little breakfast meal. There was a brook of water on the side of the road, a spring, a brook of water. And I went over and took a cup, made a blessing, and drank the water. The Baal Shem Tov jumped up with excitement and said, that water was waiting from the beginning of time for you to come to make a blessing on it. The story touches me profoundly, and, I've, and it really it actually energized me. I travel. We all travel. You come to different places. And you think to yourself, you know, you sometimes to come to a place, many people have been in this place before, but you have not been here. Or you've not been here in this time and this period in history. And what sparks are waiting? What brook of water or other experience are waiting for you to do something that you and only you can do? That's called manifestation. You're not just spiritually transcendent and aloof and, uh, yeah, wherever I go, things happen. But the detail, a small detail, a little child comes over to you. Something that may not be dramatic and significant in the sense where people are going to give you awards and it's going to like, you know, attract headlines. Those small little gestures, those are where real manifestation takes place. And that's the powerful mystical concept, the divine, as beyond and, and, and transcendent it is, it can be found in the smallest fiber of existence. You know, recently I've been looking into the DNA, human DNA, it's really divine DNA. And it's fascinating how simple, such simple building blocks define the entire diversity of the population of existence. Seven and a half billion of us and every form of life, the billions and trillions of forms of life everywhere. Just a few certain codes, just the question is the sequence. Those four key building blocks, amazing. 
What does that tell you? That the detail in every cell, in every fiber, there's tremendous, in the manifestation, there's tremendous infinity. So yes, to find infinity in the big picture, that goes without saying. But to find infinity in the finite, and not just in the finite, in the minute, in a little corner, in a detail, that is like, what can I tell you? That's awesome. That's even more transcendent than transcendence. Because transcendence is transcending itself to be discovered in that way. Small drink of water, small gesture, entire creation, entire existence is waiting for you to do that. And you, not me. And the things I have to do, it's me and not you. Not, not, to, not, to, not to the exclusion, but it means each of us has our allocated sparks. It's a tremendous concept. It's a tremendous way of looking at life. The whole concept of monotony on board would disappear if everything that came our way, we saw that energy waiting to be released. It's waiting for you to release it. But that requires a mindfulness. It requires a focus. It requires manifestation. So the divine manifestation teaches us about our manifestation, just as divine transcendence teaches us about our transcendence. And the true harmonious, the true balanced life, the true formula is when there's a, a, a real um, symbiosis between these two, where they complement each other, and each feeds the other, and one does not annihilate the other, because both are necessary for the healthy human being. It's a relationship, and a relationship requires that element of the mystique, the awe, the transcendent, and an element of manifestation and presence. This is in some ways, hopefully, put into pal pal palatable terms, um, palpable and palatable, I should say, terms, concepts that are quite abstract and quite profound and quite uh, mystical and cryptic when you read them in the sources. But it's ultimately the fusion, the joining of these two forces, the transcendent and the imminent, that is the key to all harmony in life, individually, personally, and collectively. Because when you have those both coming in a healthy way, in a way that they complement each other, then what you really have is the key and the ingredients to everything that is healthy, to everything that is productive and functional. Not just functional, thriving. Because in the human body as well, and in nature, and wherever you look, microcosm, macrocosm, you'll find these two elements and how they join together, as I mentioned, with a third invisible ingredient that works behind the scenes that brings them both together. So they need to have two, two different experiences, transcendence and imminence, manifestation, presence, and awe, but they join together and you experience transcendence in the manifestation and manifestation of the transcendent. And the journey continues because what is transcendent today, tomorrow is manifest, then there's higher levels of transcendence. Think of it like climbing a mountain. As you climb, the horizon becomes broader. So as you internalize and you become more acquainted and you become accustomed and assimilate what was yesterday a transcendent experience, Today is now a manifest experience, an imminent one, an internalized one, and a new level of transcendence emerges. That itself is also exciting because it's an ongoing journey of growth, of climbing a ladder where when you, your yesterday's rung was beyond you, now you're on that rung and a new rung emerges that's higher both quantitatively and qualitatively. So I hope I did justice to this theme. There's obviously much more to say on it, but this is a good beginning hopefully more than just a beginning, but a good synopsis encapsulating this concept in our personal lives. For more, simply go to MeaningfulLife.com, 
a lot of resources on this topic and many other topics. If you're here for the first time, really, please take advantage. Stay in touch with us. Share this. Like it. All the different words used. In, we're on all the different channels, whether it's uh, the internet and web or social media and other platforms, podcasts and all this. Is, this, is, uh, this is, of course, rec- this is live and being recorded and archived. And please partner with us in this journey of transcendence and imminence, the journey of transcendence and manifestation, being present, integrating, being there, being there entirely. It enriches life and creates the true healthy platform for beautiful relationships, enduring ones, eternal ones, eternal relationships even in our impermanent lives. So this has been Simon Jacobson every Wednesday. We're here at 8.30 p.m. is when it's live. And um, it's always an honor. Please stay in touch. Again, MeaningfulLive.com. And we're here for you, and hopefully you're here for us. And uh, our goal is to create links, person by person, reaching every person on this planet, because each of us has our unique role to play, our unique sparks to elevate, and we need each other, because we are both uniquely necessary and also complement each other. Be blessed. Thank you very much.